Welcome to our new podcast and webisode series called If You Don't Mind Me Asking, where we probe and generally poke around in the lived experiences of people with disabilities. So I'm here with my co-host Dan and uh, I'm Lucy and we both work for Business Disability Forum. So we're going to tell you today a little bit more about why we're doing this series and a bit of an introduction to ourselves as well. So Dan, you fire away. Tell us a bit about yourself. What's your name and where did you come from? But without the Scatter <laughs> accent, I can't do Scylla impressions. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I revert to my, my dream if I'd ever been on Family Fortunes. Um, so yeah, I'm Dan Cady and I am from Chelmsford in Essex. And uh, yeah, so working for BDF, I'm a senior business partnership manager. So it means I get to work with a handful of organisations helping them to become disability smart. Um, and previously, um, previous roles, I've worked for the National Autistic Society as well. So I've had a Long interest in um, neurodiversity um, and autism, particularly working with businesses to help them become um, a bit more aware, understanding and uh, friendly to disabled people. So how about you, Lucy, and your, your role? At, I know your business disability forum slightly different. Yeah, so um, I say I'm Lucy Ruck, I'm the task force manager at BDF. I've been here for uh, eight, eight and a bit years now. So a little while I'm becoming sort of part of the furniture, like the comfy cushion in the corner, maybe slightly worrying. Um, so I look after a number of our networks and task forces and they've grown tremendously in the time I've been here. So the technology task force is kind of my main baby. If you like, I've got a customer and service user task force, um, a procurement network and a Northern England network. And if I've forgotten any of my children, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> because they are like your kids, aren't they? But yeah, so, you know, it's all about bringing people together so they can share that knowledge and best practice. So I facilitate, I basically try and let other people get a word in edgeways, which Dan, you're going to experience quite a lot, I think, in this, aren't you? You know, I'm a talker, mm. what can I say? Yeah, uh, we, we've only actually ever met, haven't we, via uh, online, um, having I only started the job um, during the uh, time of the pandemic, so remotely. So I think that makes it even more fun trying to get word in edgeways because you haven't got all of the usual cues when you're actually in person uh, you know throwing a pencil or some other stationery at someone to get them to, to stop for a moment I miss yeah, I've, had a lot, like that. I've had a lot less bruises obviously in this time <laughs> so <laughs> so what we wanted to do as well is sort of delve a little bit you know we're we're sort of asking lots of questions to other people so it seems fair we should ask questions to each other and kind of delve a little bit de deeper um but actually I've moved on to the wrong question there so I'm going to come back slightly so what I can talk about why we wanted to do this series that's a great start isn't it um and then also why we called it if you don't mind me asking now we did a series a few years ago about kind of the people behind the job title and i think we talk a lot about the importance of case studies and about people talking about lived experience and there's an element of actually there's quite a few people in bdf who can talk from that lived experience of having a disability it's not them it's actually us and i think that's really important um and we'll come on to ourselves and our own personal experiences in a little bit. And we kind of we were playing around with what to call this. And we came up with lots of really good alternatives that were probably not broadcastable. Um, and I think some of them are kind of like the one I've had quite a few times is. So what's wrong with you then? Which I think is always really pleasant because it's always really nice to told there's something wrong with you. Um, and yeah, I, have you had any good ones where people have sort of come out with the awful things? I think it's just, isn't it? It always comes back to that thing of people sort of trying to punctuate and get through some of the, 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 the stigma because I think we are in a society that 
it goes one of two ways, which is either really tries to dance around things, in which in which case you just end up ignoring everything, or you go for the you can't say anything anymore, and you go down a route which is then possibly a little bit more uh, insulting or just uh, has no tact whatsoever. Uh, funnily enough, when so as I said, a lot of the stuff that I've done before has previously been working with businesses and thinking about uh, disabled consumers, disabled customers. And one of the things that we would always get back from um, any disabled individual in terms of wanting any, um, if they want any assistance or what, what sort of service they wanted from someone would be to just ask me if you can help at all and then listen. And I, and I think that's kind of what we've done with the title as well is to be able to say, well, how, how do you start that conversation? Um, and it doesn't have to be something that's really obstructive. It doesn't have to be something that uh, is, well, kind of tone deaf and a, like a blunt instrument going into a conversation. It's about how to start that conversation, then actually giving the individual a chance to say, oh, I'm fine, actually, I, I don't need any assistance. Or whether there is something, then being able to, to listen. It's a two-way conversation because, uh, you know, it gets a little, it starts to sound trite, but every every disabled person every every disabled person is an individual everyone has their own either sort of like needs requirements their own preferences and uh, i think sometimes we get a bit bogged down in how do we start those conversations or or, or what do we do in terms of sort of like, like sometimes getting out of them as well yeah and i think that if you don't mind me asking is kind of a really good route to give people a get out saying actually i do mind not today because it's not just being an individual it's how you feel on that day and whether you're happy to talk about it as well and i think you need to kind of give people the opportunity to talk about it or to ask or to share without sort of forcing them down a track where they're kind of feel like they're obliged because you've shown an interest and actually we all have slightly naff days when you can't be bothered to talk about it or you'll summarize and just get on with stuff so i kind of it's it's a bit of a if you use a term like that, it's a good starting point, really, isn't it? It's fairly safe. Um, and it's sort of landed fairly well with a lot of people. So that's kind of why. And I think we just just it's interesting to talk to different people about disability. You know, the more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize it and we normalize it. These are just people and the, the people we're talking to in the series are just people who happen to have a difference of some kind. And actually, we're all individuals and we're all unique anyway. So kind of get over it a little bit, really, I kind of think. But yeah yeah exactly all the different circumstances that we live with um yeah. which funny enough that brings on to what we we're going to talk about next really which is about how uh individual conditions have sort of impacted our lives um so it'd be good to hear about some of the good and the bad around uh how how your disability has impacted you lucy so uh, very quickly um at the age of 17 i had a, a an accident i was crossing a train track there was no bridge um, I didn't see the fast train coming and it hit me at 65 miles an hour. And as it hit me, my right leg went under the train and uh, they found it half a mile up the track. So I instantly became disabled quite a, you know, it was a trauma accident in hospital for a couple of months. Um, and that was like, I was thinking of it as very much like a sliding doors moment in terms of my life. One minute was just carrying and trotting along as normal. And then this thing happened. And I wanted, part of me would like to know what that other Lucy's like almost, you know, on that sort of different routes what did she do with her life and everything else but I'm kind of a great believer in things happen for a reason you wouldn't necessarily choose it but it does change your direction and your path and does make you the person that you are and I kind of think I'm quite happy with who I am um you know it's I've got a, a pretty good life and um yeah it's kind of it's funny as well you get you get funny situations I mean I, 
I saw my surgeon just after the accident. Um, he was they had to a bit gory, but they had to keep the wound open in case I've got secondary infections. Mm, lovely. Bearing it, can I just caveat this with when I had my ears pierced at the age of 13, I fainted. I had a tendency to faint and I've had to go. <laughs> so it's all quite amusing, really. But so the surgeon came out and he'd just been putting a plaster cast on someone's leg because he was an orthopedic surgeon. And he went, Oh, do excuse me, I'm plastered. And I was like, Don't worry about it, I'm legless. So like two days after like a trauma, it's probably just morphine talking, I think, to be honest. But I think, you know, there's funny things to be had and people feel so awkward around it. Oh, haven't you got tiny feet? Oh, I said feet and it's only a foot. Kind of you know, people get like really kind of twitter. Like, it's okay. Doesn't matter. No, you didn't mean it. It's just a turn of phrase. So yeah. but one of the things I was just going to touch on, because otherwise I'll, I'll take over entirely, was um chronic pain because it wasn't until you're doing stuff with other people that I was thinking do you know what actually I've had chronic pain now for 27 years and I don't really do much in terms of medication I just manage it mentally and block it out and push it to the back of my mind because a lot of nerve pain there where the nerve endings have not they're just very sensitive and it's funny how you you tune it out because if you sat there thinking about it it, it would be all encompassing. If I sit now and think about it, I can feel it, but actually you just get on and, and try and forget about it. There's times when it's more severe and you do get what I call phantom pains, which I've described as someone getting a knitting needle, shoving it up inside your leg and then sort of putting electricity through it, which is always really pleasant, as you can imagine, and sort of the aftershocks of that. So I do get those and that's not particularly attractive or nice, but that's part of it. And you just kind of, for me, I'm able to get on and deal with it. Everyone, again, is different. You know, some people have much more severe and need that medication. But for me, I, I manage it. If it gets particularly bad, I will take some extra meds. But actually, it's just sort of getting on with it, really. And I was going to ask you, Dan, in terms of, I know there's a couple of aspects that we were going to kind of cover. Tell us a little bit about your experience, your personal sort of lived experience around disability and caring as well. Um, yeah, well, well yeah, it, it's... it. I find it slightly strange for the fact, so I, I um, found that I'd been, um, well, had depression. Um, I mean, I knew I had um, big anxiety issues, um, but um, yeah, found I had depression um, sort of around my, probably about my mid thirties. So probably about six or seven years ago, uh, funnily enough, but it's, it, I say funnily enough, because it, it, it doesn't really seem that long. And it doesn't seem in some ways as if many things have moved along in that I, you know, got a sort of a, sort of a diagnosis, but then doctor hasn't it's really, really done very quickly with the doctor. And then there's not much that happens like afterwards. And um, unless it's, you know, it's stuff that you're doing yourself in terms of sort of like finding a good, decent therapist and a lot of things that, people will do whether they have um, mental health issues or not and it, it, it's odd it just sort of seems to be like a blip where that's happened and then you carry on and it's and it's odd I've, and I've spoken to you about this Paul Lucy that I so I have a bit of an issue with um, a personal issue in that it, in a way I don't ever see myself as disabled I, I feel like you know a bit of a it's a bit like imposter syndrome I suppose where but it's strange because I've in previous jobs I've managed people uh, with depression and certainly the way that I, I believe and I describe it to them, you know, it is, you know, in terms of illness and it is disabling, um, you know, it's the, 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 the old anecdote of, you know, if someone had broken a leg, you know, that you, 
it's it's the same if you've got depression you it's something that you you need assistance you need support with but for some reason there's something with me in my head but i'm like oh no i i don't know if it's because it took that long and because of the anxiety as well for me to even come around to thinking about that might be um a condition that i that, that i have that i've um always it's like i treat myself with slightly different different rules and it, it it's it, so it's something i'm sort of in a way still sort of trying to to work through uh in that aspect but it's uh yeah it's it was it was strange to find i, I really had to come to it myself to realize that they they even had any um sort of mental health issue because I, I think i'd got very one very good friend in particular who had been through stuff herself and could sort of see that i had in the entire time she knew me and then we you know we were housemates for a while and i think that's when it really came out and showed her that you could see how paralyzing it could be for me sometimes which again i'd be doing the usual thing saying oh well, that's just me uh rather than saying that there's any sort of condition or anything there um and so it took a long time for me to then have to come i came around to sort of asking her more about it i think again that's just a personal trait of kind of have to come to it yourself rather than even if people know uh, like letting you come to it in your in your own way um but uh, another thing i know we've come up in um in the in the podcast series as well is that I'm actually I've over the last couple of years I've sort of somehow morphed into a a, a carer as well carer responsibilities for um, my mum so I, I came home at the very beginning of the pandemic thinking well I was going to be between uh, flat leases and I thought well not sure how long this is going to go on for I'm moving into a new flat in two months I'll go home make sure mum's okay for whatever this little thing is and uh We'll see how we go from there. And now what are we sort of two and a half years later? So mum had lots of weird, strange um, symptoms following her own bout with COVID. And it's been very hard to try and get any sort of diagnosis, whether it might be something around Parkinson's or um, another degenerative condition, but no one seems to know, but she hasn't really been able to care for herself. So it, again, strangely, in my time whilst working for um, Business Disability Forum, I've I become a carer and again it's another thing where you don't see a, a a cut off of i'm not a carer now i suddenly am it's slowly getting used to something which is having a massive impact on your life um and again having that issue of like trying to accept that and also trying to find out what it really means um and and what it is what it means for your you know your greater circumstances and how to sort of like get it straight in your mind as well so it's been a, think, an interesting yeah as you were saying acceptance and i think it's a funny one isn't it i think sometimes when there's these sort of gradual transitions from your mental health being in a good place to not being so good it's not clear cut mine was clear cut so mine literally happened in the blink of an eye and that was that and i knew instantly as soon as that had happened well initially i thought i was paralyzed because of the i couldn't feel anything i think just the shock and adrenaline but you know very quickly i realized what had happened so i knew right i'm disabled now because it's not going to get sewn back on that's now going to be life whereas i think for some of these other more fluctuating or changeable conditions that i don't know if it's just more of a challenge to kind of get your head around and get it, for me it's a it's a tidy box whereas it's not quite so mm. much for so many other conditions is it I don't know. Yeah, well, I think it's a very different. It's a different challenge. I wouldn't would say more more difficult as well because I imagine with um, inquiring uh, acquiring a disability like you did as well, you're you're going to have very much sort of fluctuating moods in terms of yes, it's something that's 
clear clear cut as you say but it's then your 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 mood and your life develops over over the uh, well certainly the, the ensuing months and then years and as you go on and then i mean you'll, you'll still be sort of like going through developments now i suppose i think you've mentioned before about um going on holiday and having <laughs> having different different legs or different attachments for, for different times and so you've got all these different developments that you're going to be like going through it as I suppose a sort of like care and support develops as well and then new things happen throughout your life you know if that's happened uh when you were when you were 16 um and then as life goes on and things develop you'll, you'll come up against I suppose different things and so so I imagine that sort of thing is always there fluctuating but I mean certainly with the stuff that happens in terms of the what I find interesting around the the depression and the the mood stuff I I actually I I thought that I'd got very good actually pre pre pre-covid and during the first part of the pandemic I had a very good handle on it but then a lot of the impact and the pressure of the um the caring that I'm doing as well you can then end up, I mean, that, that, that sort of pressure anyway, because I'm in a place where I wouldn't usually be. And it's not, you know, it's without getting too bogged down in the personal side of it. it it's not, um, I don't think it's terribly good always for my, for my mental health, um, the sort of position that I'm in, but there's then that line between, Oh, am I, am I low because of this situation? And then it becomes a little bit trickier to realise, oh, actually, no, in hindsight, I think though that actually I was going through a bad time there. But then the the usual little triggers that I would have and that I would know when I need to do something and try and make a, uh, maybe sort of like make a bit of a, a, a change or speak to someone. It can, it can get trickier when you're bogged down in a lot and you stop you slip into bad habits again of saying oh no this is just this this is just uh, the situation i'm in when actually you look back after you've got a bit more help you're like oh no that wasn't you know you weren't getting out of bed you weren't being able to do certain things and you know actually you're operating in a very different way so even when you think you've got a handle on it it can still creep up and and get you and and you know if you ask me when i'm at my my, my best my best i'm like oh yeah i'll chat to anyone at work about it and I can let people know when things aren't going well but then when it starts to happen if it's taken over you you you, you might not because yeah. you you haven't that that sort of thing is something again power it's like this weird paralysis it's like uh the um sort of the perception of effort of tiny things sort of becomes absolutely ginormous and you feel really tricky to be able to talk to anyone about yeah and one of the questions I always think is really interesting to sort of ask people is about looking back, is there something you tell your younger self? Well, I think, I don't know when you got your diagnosis or when you realised, so would, would you have sort of pre-warned yourself or what, what's your thinking or would you just kind of go, is there anything you would go back or, or when to it maybe? It's, it's a slightly different one, isn't it, maybe? Yeah, I, I think it would be about exploring the possibility that there could be. So there's a great charity called Young Minds, after I'd had my diagnosis, the reason I looked on their website, funnily enough, was because uh, a, a friend of mine had started working there. I was just uh, having a look, see where he's working now. And the front page was um, all of these uh, case studies of young kids. And so when like I say my, my, my diagnosis was about 36, 37, there were these teenagers talking about how they felt. And I said, like, oh, yeah, that was me. I know I've definitely this has been hanging around since then. But yeah, in terms of um, some of the best 
sort of advice I've ended up getting has been to I find it very difficult when it's uh, it's worse to sort of be able to do things like you know reply to an email answer a phone anything it's it's like the association with things rather than so a job that I absolutely love but if I think of the term work then I, I just can't do anything and it's just uh, it, it's it's crushing but if I just start doing those things it's great it, you know it's so it's sort of trying to short circuit this this bit between the thought and the doing um so i think some of the best advice i've had was sort of in terms of sort of like it, you know when it, it stops me from doing any exercise or activity as well it's just to sort of like get outside just start walking and then it's a lot easier it's almost like a rolling start then you can you make better decisions you can you can start doing that and so i think it's about um yeah without trying to um hijack a a sports brand it's kind of like just do it but it's a bit more just sort of like yeah just get going and sort of start working on things yeah the momentum uh, what, will push you yeah. through almost yeah 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 take try in a way you're trying to take yourself or a part of yourself out of the equation mm. what would the same sort of thing be be for you in terms of your younger self well for me I suppose I, I remember being in hospital and they bought through a prosthetic leg because they were trying to make me feel better about what life would be like as an amputee and they brought me through a man's above knee a prosthetic leg which was massive looked like something out of world war ii and was horrific and i'm like you think that's going to help me no that's that's awful so i think just to kind of go actually life's going to be okay you're going to get married you're going to you know fall in love that happens slightly different order have kids have a, a job where you can give, give yourself and have a be yourself as well and be authentic in that um, so I'm really lucky they let me get away with being me, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, all that stuff that actually life comes together and you will have a normal, boring life like everyone else. Um, <laughs> I, I, do you know, actually, there's something quite satisfying about that, I think. I'm not going to go and climb a mountain or anything else. That's never been my thing. But actually, life's, life's pretty good. And, yeah, it's, it's all kind of, you, you'll be all right, girl. Get on with it. So I think that's it. <laughs> Um, I'm just really aware of time, Dan. When you would, you know, us two together, it's a nightmare, and that. Um, I feel sorry yeah. for our guests coming up for the whole series. But um, just to <laughs> say online, uh, you can find us at Disability Smart, um, at Lucy Ruck, and at DKD. So uh, do do look us up and uh, follow us a bit. And we're trying to remember to tweet stuff every now and again. Um, <laughs> really looking forward to this series. We've got so many interesting guests coming up with so many different topics, um, and generally we get to be nosy, which is great fun, isn't it? Exactly. Scratch away at lots of very different stories, which is which is wonderful. Lovely. Good catching up with you and I uh, hope everyone enjoys the series. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening. You can find future episodes on major streaming platforms. Search Business Disability Forum or at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and search podcasts. You can also watch the series on our YouTube channel. Search for Business Disability Forum. Please do share and leave us a rating. Business Disability Forum is the leading business membership organisation in disability inclusion. We work in partnership with business, government and disabled people to remove barriers to inclusion. Businessdisabilityforum.org.uk